Hey, hey, it's a good day today, Hunter. We're talking about money. Money, how are you? Do you got lots of money? Money, money, money. Yeah. I'm a church planner, John. I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we got an expense account for going out for coffee, though. So that's all we really need. Um, but yeah, no, that's talking about it, fundraising yes. today, we've hit on it a couple times in the past, uh, different discussions in our phases of church planting, but thought it would be a helpful uh, time to go back and to deep dive a little bit because it's probably one of the most uncertain, terrifying, uh, uncomfortable deterrents from people pursuing uh, a ministry really that involves any fundraising, but particularly with church planting, the idea that you have to go and raise a bunch of money to do this. Um, was that your experience, Hunter? As you No doubt. Yeah, John, it was. I had no prior experience regarding fundraising, raising support, and I was terrified. And one of the things that I've learned doing this over the years is just the number of people who've never even thought about church planning or pursued church planning because they are so afraid of having to go to people and ask for financial help. They are terrified of raising support. And I, I would have never thought that it would have been that many, that, that so many people, but it's true. And it was very challenging for me as well. I was terrified. Before we go any further, this episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners. Our calling is freeing you to pursue your call to plant Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. All right. So real quick, guys, I'm the rookie here. So I'm going to play the role of most normal people listening to this. Why do we have to raise funds at all? Why isn't there some giant golden pot in the presbyteries or in the general assembly type situation for the denomination that we just have all of this money sitting there and throw it out to plant churches? Yeah, so in the PCA, it used to be kind of like that. Uh, in fact, a few weeks ago, I met the first uh, coordinator of MA, and that was his job, was to go and raise money and to fully support one church planter at a time in strategic places. But um, the reason why our denomination has kind of got away from that model is because uh, that's pretty slow. Um, if you want to plant a church, you know, in Fargo, North Dakota, probably not high on the radar for most people in the, in our denomination, or if Hunter wants to plant a church, you know, in the next town over, he might care a lot about that place. But uh, in order to have all of that centralized funding, it would be uh, somewhat of a pipeline plug that uh, would be real hard to push through. And so what they wanted to instill and what you see, I mean, across X29, across the PCA, across lots of different places is what they you know, model it as grassroots, that um, individual churches, uh, individual people, networks in regions uh, are more well-suited to uh, raise that money from their own networks rather than just having this big top-down with administrative oversight, uh, individual strategic one plant in specific places, but instead anybody can plant a church anywhere if they want to collaborate more locally. John, there's also a second reason and it has to do with your viability as a mm. church planter. Yep. So when I went to plant the second church, Trinity Church, that I'm, I'm doing here in the Memphis area, I had so many contacts from churches and from, and from 
previous churches that I've served that it wasn't as challenging to raise support. But the first time, uh, I didn't have those networks. I didn't have those support levels. I didn't have those connections. And so I really had to turn to friends and family, people from my hometown, people that I knew from college, and so forth. And so one of the things that it does is it evaluates you as a church planner. Do people think that you can do this? Do people think that you are a church plant? church planter? Are they willing to rally around you in this cause? And so a lot of denominations allow planters to raise some or most of their support just to determine, do they have the, what it takes? Are they called to do this from the perspective of their friends and families and their potential supporters? Yeah. No, what's, uh, what's interesting in your question, even Reed, is uh not all church plants are the same and some probably don't need to raise that much money. Um, there are, you know, larger churches that uh, plant, you know, a daughter church off of it and they bring you on as a staff member, assistant pastor, send you out, pay your salary for a few years. You go out with, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 people from their church. And there probably isn't a huge need to go do this out, outside fundraising. Although those are probably less common, uh, and of course, there's other church planning opportunities like what I did, which was there was not even a core group of people giving before I showed up. So we had to raise 100% of our money, at least for those first year or so, um, you know, and then scale it down each year as our internal giving went. So, yeah, the uh, fundraising question, why it's not a pot uh, out there. One, people like to be intentional with their giving and they want to support you know, places they care about. And two, every church has different needs and, uh, and every fundraising need is going to be very specific to whatever the opportunity is. All right. So what's the role then of different church planning networks? I know Hunter, you've worked in one and our churches are both a part of different networks of other churches that help to oversee and establish and support different church plants. What is their role? And is it any financial role in establishing church plants. So for us, Reed, the network provides an opportunity for us to speak with other churches outside of our presbytery. It brings a collaboration to the table. Hey, here's what's going on in the Memphis area. And would churches in Arkansas or Louisiana or Mississippi that are a part of our network, the Mid-South PCA Church Planning Network, would, would they be you know, willing to support what we're doing and they help um, bring those partners to the table and help promote what it is that you're trying to do. So a network can be extremely beneficial, particularly within the PCA structure. We do not have synods and in other denominations, you do have a synod. So there is a a sense of um, collaborative effort in a geographical region. In our particular denomination, we don't we don't have that. So the network brings collaboration to a particular region. Yeah, uh, I would say that church plan networks kind of have different different assets uh, that they supply. They're they're kind of the advocate for church planting in their area or for their particular philosophy of ministry. Uh, it might be nationwide. And they have a particular type of church that they want to see planted. So they find those types of people and they want to support those types of churches and they come alongside and offer them some support. A lot of times it is financial. Uh, but 
you know, like Hunter was saying, you have a, a couple of states, uh, maybe a couple of presbyteries with multiple states represented. And, uh, and the, the role of a network then is to just continue to keep church planting in front of people, uh, to give updates, to try to recruit people to come to their area, to find the assistant pastors in those churches and see if they might be future church planters. They're kind of this, uh, they're trying to grease the wheels all the time. And so there's money there, there's encouragement there, there's training. I know uh, the Great Plains Church Plan Network that I'm part of, uh, it's kind of based out of Nebraska. It's the closest network that would even be to our presbytery. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll pay for somebody to go to church planning assessment to see if if they are qualified even to go be a church planter, if they're discerning a call to it, they'll, they'll send church planters to uh, church planter training classes. Or, you know, if I wanted to go to a evangelism workshop or something, I could ask for a grant uh, to cover my travel expenses. And uh, I'm sure they would approve it because they're just trying to come alongside us, uh, not only at the beginning with just some initial funding, but along the way, um, you know, and putting together kind of best practices in our region, uh, which is probably different than some of the practices down down south with y'all. It's great mm. cultural relativism there, yeah. John. Yeah, contextualization. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to be a church planner, and I've gone through assessment, and here we are. I've picked a city and a location. <laughs> now what do I do? Do I just sit with a lot of of cards and write nice letters to people or text all my friends and tell them, Hey, you need to give me money to start the church. It's funny. I, I never did campus ministry in the campus crusade, even RUF, uh, whatever navigators world where, but I had a lot of people that I knew that did that. And they, of course, every year called me and wanted to see if I'd give them $50 a month. And that was like the model. You had to call every single person you knew and ask for a hundred dollars a month. Um, and that type of fundraising, if that's what I would have had to have done to plant a church, I don't think I would have done it. I had a huge aversion to that. It just did not seem like something I wanted to do. Um, one of the things that was really helpful for me to understand as I began to think about fundraising was I'm not asking for indefinite commitments. Uh, you know, I need $50 a month forever. <laughs> Rather, uh, we, we are trying to raise this amount of money to help us cover our budget for three years or, or whatever the timeline is. Uh, and so to me, that was a goal I could work towards. And I knew that there was going to be different pieces that could fill in uh, that puzzle of how to get to our goal. And so at the end of the day, what I'm going to say is fundraising is 100% about relationships. So uh, if you went through assessment and uh, you're looking to raise money, you already have a whole bunch of relationships of people who know who you are, what you're thinking about doing, where you're going. There's churches uh, that you've been part of that care about you and have kind of loved you into the ministry and want to support you. There are people in those churches that when they find out that uh, you need support to go do that, uh, that they're going to without even necessarily even having a conversation with you will begin supporting you. Um, and so there's this initial beginning of relationships that you already have in place that is going to be the foundation of your fundraising. But then the next phase of your life is going to be continuing to build more relationships outside of that world and, and to get to know networks and to 
go to church planning conferences and to meet uh, bigger churches that are interested in supporting church planting uh, and, and beginning to build your relational world. And so it might look like writing cards, it might look like sending letters, but more often than not, it's um, finding the people that already care about you or care about church planting or care about the city you want to go to and, uh, and sharing with them why it matters that a church needs to be planted there. And if, mm-hmm. if they can catch that vision for uh, where you're going, why it matters and how they can help, uh, that, that's pretty much fundraising one-on-one. John, I have several maxims that I like to share about church planting. And one of them is, as we say, money, money, money. <laughs> um, it's, relation, it's relationship, relationships, relationships. Yep. Another one is that I tell church planters all the time that the people that you think will give won't. And the people that you don't expect will. And what I mean by that is it is a very uneven endeavor that you just you you're you're going to continually be surprised by the people that you think are going to give that perhaps may not or they don't give as much as you anticipate and then the people that come out of left field that will give it's always so very surprising for me in with the first church plant it was social media was not what it is today and so I really had to develop a plan and I came up with a theme and then I thought through the objections that people would have regarding a church plant in the deep South. Well, there's plenty of churches. Everyone goes to church. Why do we need another church in this area? I wanted to flesh all that out. I wanted to be able to answer those questions. I wanted to be very succinct in, in telling them why I felt called to go plant here and really made a concentrated effort to answer all the questions that people might have and then came up with a, a very large um, a very large number of names in terms of who I was going to send this out to. And I think one of the advantages that church planners have is that unlike missionaries, we're not, as you mentioned, John, we're not asking for, for you to give for the rest of your life. Um, yeah. It's only a short period of time. It's three to four um, perhaps in some urban settings, it's five, six, seven years. We're, we're only asking for a period of time. But I think one of the disadvantages, at least maybe perhaps more so in the deep south in the United States, when, when you're a missionary and you're asking support, port, excuse me, you're asking for support, there's a real emotional appeal. You are moving your entire family to Peru. You are leaving everything behind for the sake of Christ, and you are going to do this. And that is significant in the minds of a lot of people. When you're a church planner, I think in many circumstances, people don't understand it fully, and it doesn't have the emotional pull that that missionaries perhaps have. So I think that you have to be creative, and I think that you have to be strategic. John, I love how you have played out the theme of being the one state without the PCA. I think that's been (laughs) super fantastic. That has been so helpful. I really have, have enjoyed watching you play up that theme in terms of raising support. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, really what fundraising is, is letting people know what your need is. 
uh, I think people automatically grasp that need of the missionary uh, going overseas. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're leaving everything. They're going somewhere else. They assume there's no resources on the other side for them. Um, and a, a stateside church plant uh, isn't a category a lot of people have in their minds. You will realize there are a lot of, of resources out there, people that are excited about church planting, people who have gotten it. A lot of the groundwork of getting church planting into the mainstream of, uh, you know, the Christian world, X-29 and Tim Keller and these guys have have made church planting a conversation that I think most people are aware that it exists. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, you're trying to present the mission, the mission and vision of your church and, and what the need is and how they can become a partner with you in that. And so if you're unwilling to tell people what your needs are, you're not going to do a very good job church planting. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, and raising money. That's, yeah. that's a good point. John, when I went to plant my first church, I'd, developed the campaign and I came up with all the names and addresses. But what happened was so many churches jumped on board that I didn't really have to go the individual route. Mm -hmm. um, and because there had not been a church planted in Mississippi in so long in our denomination. When I went to plant Trinity, second church in the Memphis area, that was not the case. And so I had to, I had to really carry out that campaign, if you will, to raise support from individuals. And it's, and it's gone well, but I've learned a lot from it. It's been very different the second time around, utilizing social media and reaching people. And it's, it's not for the faint of heart. Raising yeah. support is not easy. It takes a lot of work, and it is a continual process. We're two years in, and we on a quarterly basis, stop what we're doing as a church plant to raise support. Uh, and, and we have new people that will give. You have people that drop off along the way. I have not found the three-year or four-year commitments very helpful. I think you just have to continually and repeatedly make people aware of what you're doing and what your needs are. And sometimes that's very hard in the midst of a growing church plant to just put on the brakes and go back to fundraising 101. All right. So you mentioned some of the difficulties of fundraising and in previous conversations, you've both mentioned that this idea of fundraising is something that keeps a lot of people who are excited about the gospel from going out and planting churches. So what is your argument for people that are struggling with this idea of I, you know, I can't fundraise or I don't know how to fundraise or I don't want to fundraise or, or like what's the role of prayer or personal preparation or what's the, the pitch to these people that can get them over that line to say, hey, you can do this and God is faithful. Yeah. So uh, one, uh, if the Lord calls you to the work, uh, he's going to provide what you need. Uh, and if you are unwilling to ask for help, you might not be called to church planting. That'd be my first thing. But the other thing I'll tell you is I had a strong aversion to fundraising. I mentioned it earlier. And now here on the other side of, you know, three years in, I'm kind of on a second uh, need to fundraise for the next three years and I'm out doing it and it's going well. And honestly, financial hurdles uh, are, are not even a concern to me anymore. Uh, <laughs> fundraising has been wildly easy uh, in the sense of, 
it's not been as painful and it's been more encouraging to me. And it's one of the things that's continued to sustain me along the way to know that these other people care and they're supporting us and they're uh, partners with us. They send me emails. They want to know what's going on. Um, and so what I thought was going to be a really hard thing and something I didn't want to do is become probably one of the easiest things and, and one of the sources of, of encouragement, not discouragement. And so there's kind of a, a bit of like, you know, going out in faith, you know, with some quotes around that, because you don't know where the money's going to come from. But, uh, but man, it's, it's been a, a amazing and a faith building exercise for me to see the Lord raise up people uh, all the time and to not have the needs go unmet. John, like you, I had no college ministry fundraising experience. And I think that what causes many people to walk away from church planning in terms of having to raise support is that they don't fully understand what it looks like. Yeah. And a lot of people have this idea that they're going to have to go to all their individual friends and family <laughs> members and sit down with them face to face and to ask them to give X amount of money. And yeah. it doesn't, John, in my experience, it doesn't look like that. I've and, never done that. And yeah, I haven't either. And I've, <laughs> I even sent a email to all of, to many of my friends and told them, I'm not going to bother you and come to you and take you to lunch and then surprise you with an ask. Um, yeah. And I had several people support me and their, their exact language was, I'm going to support you more than I probably would because you're not going to come bother me about support. <laughs> and so Again, it goes, it goes back to relationships. Yeah. You're going to have people that you know very well and that appreciate you and they are your friends and, and they may not give and that will be a surprise. But by and large, those people that you have strong relationships with, if they love you and believe in you, they're going to rally around what it is that you're doing and all of them not may not be able to because of financial reasons or life circumstances. But if you make a strong appeal and it's professionally done and it's communicated well through social media and through email and through texting and through snail mail, this response is, I think going to be surprising. And so I would say a lot of people avoid planting because they don't fully understand what raising support looks like fully. Yep. And to just give a little bit more picture on like what fundraising looks like. So I think that's the thing that's hard to visualize if it's not sitting down uh, and asking, you know, here's a list of money uh, levels you can give. Do you want to give at the uh, foundation level or the pioneer level? <laughs> you know, like I just, Maybe that's on my flyer or something, but I, that's an awkward conversation I never want to have with somebody. Uh, sometimes that works. Some people are good at that conversation. Some people want to have that conversation. I've, I've not had that uh, experience in my life, but I like to think of fundraising as this big jar that needs to be filled. So I, I need to raise money for you know three, five, whatever years. I'm realizing now it's more like seven, uh, but that's because uh, we're scratch plant far away with, you know, uh, building from nothing, but I have this jar that needs to be filled so we can pay our bills. And, uh, if you think of it primarily as individual people, 
it's going to take a lot of individual people to fill that jar. But what I realized early on was there are really big rocks to put in. I mean, you guys have heard this analogy of, you know, like, is the, is the jar full? You fill it with big rocks. Well, then they put in pebbles and then you put in sand. And then at the end, you pour water and you can continue to fill this thing up. There's different things that are going to fill up this, this jar. And there are churches that are going to support you that are going to be huge one-time gifts or three-year commitments that are going to, I mean, it might cover a 30-year budget or 25% of your budget. The church planning network you're part of, they might give you, you know, $30,000, $50,000. That's a huge chunk to put into that jar. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm a third of my way. Um, and that kind of gives you this momentum. And so you have these big chunks. You have other networks and churches that are, you know, putting in the smaller rocks. And then you have this abundance of individuals who are giving anywhere from $10 to $150 to fill in the gaps in that over this long period of time. And so, you know, early on, uh, I thought it would be great if I could just fill it all with these big, big rocks. Who has, you know, $100,000 for me to go plant a church? Uh, not very many people do, uh, but there might be one or two of those out there uh, that makes sense for those networks, those, uh, those big grants that you just fall into. Um, and those begin to be the foundation of your church plant. So for me, the biggest one was our, our presbytery. Uh, I was a presbytery plant, the first plant they ever had. Uh, so they raised money for five years to have a commitment of money to help me get started. And so, um, you know, it didn't cover everything, that's for sure. But it was the, the first rock in the jar. And so not only that, once you start filling your jar, uh, you're less anxious about meeting your goal because you see that you have time. And other people who want to come along and learn about your church see that other people are already supporting you. Uh, and so as you're building your network outside of, outside of your presbytery or your state or your church or the people you already know, you're going to other places that you've been referred to or you've gotten to know. And they can look back and say, well, clearly the people that are closest to him believe what he's doing and he's been called and he has the capability to do it. They're putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, and so that can give us some sense of uh, confidence that we can right. also can join. Raising support with churches looks a lot different than it does with individuals. Yep. With churches, there's a lot more networking that has to take place. Um, you have to, I believe that the starting point is with the senior pastor, not with the missions committee and, and then work backwards to the missions committee. Can you be. have to go to your friends who are, go to your friends who are pastors and ask them to, to speak on your behalf to not only their mission committee, but to other churches. Um, there's a lot more, and I hate to use the word politic, politic, pol well, I can't even use the word. <laughs> there's a lot more, there's a lot more gospel politics involved in, raising support with churches and with individuals and just, just be mindful of the fact that you may end up spending more time in terms of phone calls and emails and visits regarding churches than with individuals. That was probably surprising to me. I thought that it would be more of friends and family. And it turns out you spend more time with churches. That's been my experience at least. Yeah. No, and it's a lot of filling out applications, talking about your views on things, your call. I mean, uh, lots of 10-page PDFs that you have to fill out to, to begin the conversation with those churches. Uh, you know, use the word like 
it's politicking or something. But at the end of the day, Thank you. Uh, uh, there's that's not a negative thing. Like people, churches that are generous and supporting church planters, missionaries, they have to be really intentional with how they use their money. And so, right, they don't want to just support anybody, you know, out there that just sends in their request. And so, yeah, if your friend is a, a pastor on staff or, you know, the senior pastor or, or however you get referred there, that's an important validation of, uh, for them to know that somebody else trusts you. Right. And so that's a, it's, it is a relationship. It's the beginning of a relationship because I mean, how many, how many requests do they get and how many people can they say yes to somebody, some way they have to get the, the people they want to the top of the list. And so validation from other people, that's just another, another level of your relationship in the networks that you have. Uh, one of the, <laughs> I'll just share a story. One of the humbling things is I have a church planting friend right now who's just particularized. And basically he's connecting me with the churches and supporters that no longer need to support him. Uh, I didn't ask him to do that, but he's saying, Hey, you right. guys don't need to support us anymore. Here's a great ministry. Here's a, you know, here's a church plan. Here's my friend uh, that I would highly recommend you connect with. Right. And so yeah. it's been humbling to get that type of support. But that's, those are the connections that yeah. are going to lead to our new supporters. You know, John, another thing in terms of raising support, not only with churches and individuals, is to be thankful and yeah. to provide information. As I led the Mid-South Church Planning Network and started visiting churches to speak and talk about the network, people would pull me aside, missions committee, chairman, leaders, pastors. And one of the things that I kept hearing time and time again is, we help church planters. We hear from them repeatedly. We give them support and then they disappear. Yeah. And, and I understand that because you're very busy early on with church planting and then you plant and the church plant grows and your focus is more inward in terms of growing the church plant and so forth and all that that requires. And then you begin to forget about the people that helped you uh, in the early years. And so what I say to church planters time and time again is you need to consistently and repeatedly tell people what's going on through snail mail, through yeah. phone calls, through text, through social media. You need to thank them continually. And it will help you in your support raising efforts. But I think that it's a, it's a very um, Christ-centered response to those that have helped you all along the way. And we just need to be careful not to forget that as, as we enter years three, four, and five of planting a church. Yeah. I mean, part of that is, um, you know, I think that you can feel like a bait and switch. You, you've gone out and asked people to partner with you and then mm -hmm. also they're not a partner, right? Uh, they're supporting you because they care. They want to know how to pray for you. They want to know, you know, what's going on where to rejoice, you know, all these kind of things. And so if you're not bringing them along, yeah, you've really kind of pulled the rug out from under them as being a partner. At the end of the day, sometimes, uh, you know, when you get discouraged, I think I mentioned this a little earlier, it's like, you almost have to step back and say, I'm not planting this church. Uh, God has raised up all of this for a church to be planted. And, and I, yeah, I have a lead role in what that looks like, but, uh, 
the hundreds of people that support us or have supported us, uh, they're planting this church. The people that come on Sunday, they're planting this church. Everybody, God's planting this church through all of these means. Uh, and it's not just about uh, you and paying your salary, but it's a, it's this whole collective thing. And, and so when maybe you feel discouraged in a moment or you feel like things aren't going well, you can kind of get some objectivity to say, no, uh, I'm not here just because I want to be, I'm here as part of something that's much bigger than just me and myself. Uh, God has brought about all of this. I'm going to show you this on the screen. You guys can't see it if you're listening, but I have this big stack of thank you cards. Uh, so yes, it does involve writing thank you cards. Uh, I tried to do that at the end of the year, but uh, it takes a long time <laughs> to really like hand write cards to people to express your real thanks to them. But uh, it's also a, an amazingly encouraging experience to go through and, uh, and write those out to people too. So, And I think you have to stay creative in terms of the ways in which you thank people. Uh, one of the things that we did this past year is we created a Christmas devotional uh, and yeah. we sent it to all of our supporters just as a simple um, way to, uh, to thank them at an important time of the year for how they have walked alongside us and helped us. And it was well-received. We've done t-shirts to supporters before. Um, we're always trying to think of ways to say, uh, we are so grateful for, um, for the love you've shown us in Christ. And that's, that's important in the fundraising process. So one final thought as we wrap up our episode today, and it's more on the spiritual side of things, but the need to protect your heart as you step out in faith and raise support for your church plant. And what I mean by that is you will reach out to friends and family and there will be no response. They will not give. There will be churches that choose not to support you. And you begin yep. to ask questions uh, regarding yourself. What, what have I done? Have I offended them? Have I let them down? Is there something that I'm not aware of? And the sovereignty of God protect your heart amidst fundraising. God knows who is going to give. God knows what is best for you. God has a plan. God is watching over you. And you really have to root yourself in his sovereignty so that you don't emotionally get run over by the people that don't respond to your support. Please. And I did not realize that that was going to be a thing, but it was because I began to question when certain people didn't give, certain people didn't help, and and particularly people that I've poured my my life into their life, and and so you really run to the sovereignty of God, and you look to your heavenly Father as your rock that will keep you firm. He will make your footsteps firm during during this entire process because it can be spiritually challenging. Yeah, that's right, and uh, and that's hard. I think. Uh you know, you can be anxious about meeting your needs or feeling like you want to be liked <laughs> and supported shows that right. people validate who you are, what you're doing. Uh, but, you know, when you can remove yourself from the equation a little bit and see, you know, if that church doesn't support you, they're supporting somebody else. And, uh, and it probably isn't personal at all. It has more to do with just their priorities, the relationships they have, you know, if they're sending out their assistant pastor to go plant a church, yeah. they should support him sure. and not you. Right. And so sure. uh, you can remove mm -hmm. some of that to say, 
you're out looking to see who God's raising up. And uh, you might think you know right. who that is, uh, but uh, you don't. And, uh, and you're just figuring it out as you go. You'll see it. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's a, it is a very uh, difficult tension that you live in there. But uh, at the end of the day, if you can remember uh, and rejoice, I think that th- giving thanks is such a big uh, a need that every single person that ever sent you an email, even to pray for you, uh, to give you some encouragement, to give a dollar, uh, rejoice and give thanks uh, to God and to them personally, because uh, those are the things that are going to really sustain you. And if you can have a spirit of thanksgiving um, and joy in those things, that will help protect your heart when you feel disappointed later. So if you're looking to support two church planners in the Memphis area <laughs> and Memphis, just kidding, just kidding. Um, so thank you, for, thank you for joining us today. We're so glad that you have taken the time to listen. We hope it's an encouragement and help. We hope you'll tune in next time. That's the last word for now. Thanks to Hunter and John for sharing some of their best practices and advice. Thanks to you for listening. And a big thank you to those of you who support local church planters and their work spreading the gospel of King Jesus around the world. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter and Facebook at Five Points Planting or at our new email address, reformedplanting at gmail.com. See you all next time.